From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Bigham with you on this Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, China's central authorities have allocated hundreds of millions of yuan for earthquake relief in northwest China. The U.S. Defense Secretary has urged Israel to take steps to protect civilians in Gaza. And Egypt's incumbent president has won a third term in office. In business, China says it's on track for this year's economic targets. In sports, we have matchups in the Champions League last 16. In culture and entertainment, the new season of the China National Symphony Orchestra. Now checking the day's top stories. China's central authorities have allocated 200 million yuan for earthquake relief efforts in northwest China. More than 100 people are confirmed dead in Gansu and Qinghai after a 6.2 magnitude earthquake hit the region at midnight. Uh, the tremor damaged infrastructure such as water, electricity, transportation and communications. Early groups of rescuers and aid supplies, including tents, folding beds and quilts, have arrived in the affected area. Chinese President Xi Jinping has called for uh, efforts in search and rescue, treating the injured, and minimizing casualties while preventing secondary disasters. The state council has sent a working group to the area. Local police have brought in traffic control to make way for vehicles delivering help in the area. All unauthorized vehicles are asked to avoid main roads leading to the disaster area. Han Shujing from Gansu's Provincial Emergency Management Bureau has also asked people in surrounding areas not to disturb traffic so aid supplies can reach those affected by the earthquake. We also call on the, the people from other places, the volunteers of Retinal Police do not come to the epicenter. Make sure that we keep the A traffic line smooth and open to the rescue efforts right now only to them. And we will also spend no all-out efforts 
to start our rescue and relief efforts and make sure there's no secondary disasters caused to the heated places. Now, the quakes disrupted train services. Uh, some lines passing by the quake hit area have resumed or increased speed after authorities determined they were safe. People in 22 counties and townships across Qinghai felt the earthquake. Uh, Haidong is one of the worst hit cities in the province, and Wang Wen from the municipal government says they're focusing on providing people with essential services. We're undertaking rescue work in a scientific manner. We will guarantee the safety of infrastructure, including that for electricity, telecommunication and water. We will carefully relocate the disaster-affected people and meet their basic need. Local officials said they're also helping vulnerable groups in ensuring the safety of the elderly. A cultural heritage site in Gansu has temporarily closed to visitors after the earthquake. The Protection Center of the, Be or the Bingling Temple Grottoes says uh, safety issues will keep the venue shut until further notice. Meanwhile, Gansu's water management authorities have activated an emergency response after detecting that pipes for drinking water were damaged in some rural areas. No rainfall is predicted for the earthquake zone in the coming days. Uh, both Gansu and Shanghai are rushing to repair the damaged facilities. The epicenter of the quake is located on a seismic belt. Uh, the earthquake struck at night and amid a cold wave that's sweeping across the region. The highest temperatures remain below freezing. Uh, Ian Guanghui from the Disaster and Relief uh, Department at the Ministry of Emergency Management says those conditions make the earthquake more deadly and rescue operations more difficult. First, it happened in the middle of the night, and it's currently winter, so there were few people out and about. Most of them were at home sleeping at the time of the earthquake. This is one reason why there are heavy casualties. Also, the quake hit area has a rather large population. Third, it occurred at a shallow depth, which makes it quite destructive. I've asked the people in neighboring areas. They all felt a strong tremor. The official also says casualty numbers uh, may rise because of the adverse conditions, adding that rescuing and helping the injured remains the priority to prevent more deaths. He also says psychological services and reconstruction efforts should follow. The next focus should be to console those affected and to carry out scientific planning for reconstruction, taking into consideration safety factors to make sure the houses are quick resistant. We should also study the seismic activities in this area, which will help us build more resilient infrastructure. The official says local government should restore basic services such as telecommunication, water, electricity and heating, as well as examine the houses for safety hazards. Coming up, the U.S. is urging Israel to do more to protect civilians in Gaza. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform and get ready to dive in.
at six minutes past the hour. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's met senior Israeli officials and urged them to do more to protect civilians in Gaza. Austin's visit to Israel came amid growing concern from the international community over the civilian casualties in the conflict. Israel says it'll gradually transition to the next phase of its operation in Gaza. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant has suggested that the local population will likely be able to return to the north of the Gaza Strip. Hamas authorities say more than 19,000 people died in the enclave since October. Meantime, intelligence chiefs from the United States and Israel are meeting to discuss ways to free Israeli hostages. Philip Crowther with the Associated Press has more. The head of the CIA, the head of Israel's Mossad intelligence service and the Qatari prime minister all meeting together in Warsaw in Poland to talk about how they could possibly work on a deal that would free the 129 hostages that Israel says are still being held by Hamas. Hamas so far has said that it's not willing to enter a deal as long as Israel doesn't doesn't end its war uh, in Gaza. In the meantime, the U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has been in Tel Aviv talking about how he would like the Israeli military to move to a next phase in its military operation further away from what U.S. President Joe Biden called indiscriminate bombing to a more targeted approach and, of course, a lower number of civilian deaths. We are expecting a vote in the UN Security Council on a resolution that would call for an immediate ceasefire that would also call for immediate access of humanitarian aid into Gaza, easier access of, of humanitarian aid. The United States, uh, last time around at the UN Security Council, vetoed a resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire. The hope now from other members of the Security Council is that the United States might abstain this time around. That was Associated Press reporter Philip Crowther in Jerusalem. A U.S. National Security Council spokesperson says uh, the Biden administration officials are hoping that revived talks underway in the Israel-Hamas war will yield another round of hostage release in exchange for a temporary ceasefire and humanitarian aid. John Kirby made the remarks after the U.S. confirmed the discussions among American and Israeli intelligence chiefs and the Qatari prime minister on the hostages have resumed. I, I can't report to you a, a date certain uh, or, or tell you in good faith uh, that there is an, another deal that's imminent. Uh, all I can do is, is assure you that uh, we continue to work this very, very hard and literally every day. Media reports say CIA Director William Burns was in Warsaw talking with Israeli intelligence chief David Barnea and Qatari Prime Minister Mohammed Al-Tani. It was the first known meeting among the three since talks broke off after the last ceasefire ended at the start of the month. Hamas official Osama Hamdan has reiterated the group's position that any talks on a hostage deal are off the table until Israel stops its offensive in Gaza. <laughs> We reiterate that there will be no negotiations on hostage exchange until the Israeli aggression completely stops. In return, we're open to any initiative aimed at stopping this aggression from brothers in Qatar and Egypt, and we will deal with it in accordance with the steadfastness and the sacrifices of our people, our resistance vision, and the National Palestinian Project. Gaza Health Ministry says the Israeli assault on Gaza has killed more than 19,000 Palestinians, injuring 52,000 others since the conflict started in October. Around 60 Palestinians detained by Israeli forces have returned to Gaza through the reopened Karim Shalom crossing. Some of them say they were arrested in their homes by Israeli soldiers. 
They entered our homes and arrested us. We have been detained for 25 days. They tortured and beat us. Fortunately, we are here. We have been released. I'm from Gaza City. They arrested me from my home while I was sitting with my wife and children. They asked me to come out, saying, We are the army. I came out of the house, and they took me to the Beersheba area. They tortured us, subjected us to electric shocks. We suffered a lot. One of the freed men says they had their hands tied and were threatened with electrocution. Another person says most of the detained were employees affiliated with the Palestinian Authority. A lack of safe drinking water and medicine in Gaza has increased the risk of disease, with many hospitals destroyed or heavily damaged. The World Health Organization warns that the healthcare system is collapsing, Nor Harazin reports. The World Health Organization is warning of the risk of the spread of infectious diseases in Gaza, threatening the lives of some 1.5 million displaced people. The UN reports that an increasing number of people have been infected with various diseases, such as respiratory infections, diarrhea, dermatitis, and other diseases related to lack of safe water and hygiene facilities. Raji Abu Abboud evacuated with his family from northern Gaza weeks ago. He says his current shelter, the Deir al-Balah B Preparatory School, does not provide a healthy environment. The waste is everywhere. We even suffer from the lack of food and clothes for our children this winter. All of us here in the Gaza Strip suffer because of these difficult conditions, which lead to the spread of disease and epidemics and crowding of clinics with patients. Several factors have contributed to this growing threat of disease, including severe overcrowding of families inside shelters, a lack of running water, failures in the sewage system, and the accumulation of solid waste. All in addition to an extreme shortage of medicines and personal sanitary supplies. Drinking water is expensive and not available. Everything here has become expensive, and we cannot find the minimum level of cleanliness. Here we are in the school, very crowded like a flock. Officials in Gaza say some 350,000 cases of infectious diseases have been reported in recent weeks. The spokesperson for the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Hospital says the spike in the infections is compounding the facility's overcrowding issue, impacting children especially. Due to the increase in the number of displaced people and the lack of safe drinking water, epidemics and diseases such as intestinal infections and vision infections are spreading among them. The pediatric wards in the hospital were completely filled due to the spread of diseases and the infection of many children with diseases which forced us to place two or three of them in one bed. The onset of the rainy season and the possibility of floods have increased fears of overburdening the sewage network and the besieged strip. The absence of fuel has already led to the closure of desalination plants, increasing the risk of water pollution and diseases outbreaks. That was Noor Harazin in Gaza. On the West Bank, around a thousand Israeli patients are helping Palestinian patients get treatment at Israeli hospitals. They say they want to help despite opposition from other Israelis. Jung Song Wu spoke with a few volunteers about this gesture of peace. 
Yalnoi helps transport Palestinians who are sick from checkpoints in the West Bank in the early morning to get treatment at hospitals in Israel. Most of the patients are children suffering from cancer or kidney diseases. Due to both expense and logistical complexity, the journey from a border crossing is virtually impossible for the hundreds of parents of sick children. With the help of Yell and hundreds of other volunteers, the journey becomes easier. The biggest difficulty for the organization was how Israelis perceived them during the conflict. Some of them are talking really, really bad about us, but we try not to listen and to keep on doing and not to, not to, to do, give it to, into our heart, just to put it inside and keep on doing what we need to do. Four volunteers were killed by Hamas when those gunmen attacked southern Israel, and two are still held hostages in Gaza. But Yale still says the volunteers should continue to help because it is morally right. I'm doing it for the Israeli society, not for the Palestinians, because we should stay moral even in war days, and we should uh, try and and not get racism and to look at them and the Palestinians like like human beings. And I think it's something we forgot. So I try to to keep on doing it. Yel Noi transports sick Palestinians to the hospital at least once a week. Another volunteer for the organization told us he wants to help in the name of peace. I'm 72 years old. All my life, we have war with the Arabs and the Palestinians. I want to have peace, and this is my little help to make peace. Many of my friends and many of my family say you are crazy doing it. Now we have war with the Palestinians, and I say I. I will do it. When the conflict will end remains uncertain, but with the help of volunteers, getting to and from the hospital remains no huge and insurmountable barrier. That was Jung Sung Woo reporting from the West Bank. Coming up, Egypt's president wins a third term in office. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. At 17 minutes past the hour. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi has officially won a third term in office. Authorities announced the election results, saying that he'd won almost 90% of the vote. The presidential election had record voter turnout as well. Adel el-Maruki has more from Cairo. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi has officially won his third and what should be his final term. The National Elections Authority reported a record 66.8 voter turnout, which the body said provided a great boost to the country. The presidential election was a model that made us proud. We applied the law without any violation. The world saw unprecedented popular turnout. This is a political and constitutional awareness that suits Egypt. 
Abdel Fattah Saeed Hussein Khalil El-Sisi, also known as Abdel Fattah El-Sisi, won 39,702,451 votes with 89.6% of the total valid vote. Runner-up Hazem Omar earned almost 2 million votes. Leftist candidate Farid Zahran came third with about 1.8 million votes and Abdel Sanad Yamama got a little over 820,000 votes. It wasn't the same margin of victory from the last election in 2018 when El-Sisi opponents only managed to secure about 3% of the total vote. But it was nevertheless significant, especially with so many people deciding to vote during a cost-of-living crisis. We did not expect that high turnout. We are currently going through some very hard times, which made us think that these external factors would push many people to refrain from voting. The people want the president's top priority to be the economy. The second issue is to protect Egypt's borders. They both need immediate intervention. This should take place with a new management and a new cabinet. Despite their hardships, the president will no doubt feel like the people are firmly behind his agenda, having seen off so many candidates with relative ease. About 4.5 million people voted for the three other candidates running in this presidential race. It is yet another record figure in these elections for the number of people voting for President Tilsisi's opponents. That was Adel al Maruki on Egypt's presidential election. North Korea says it tested an intercontinental ballistic missile to gauge the war readiness of its nuclear force against mounting U.S. hostility. Monday's launch was the most advanced long-range version that Pyongyang had tested so far. Washington and its allies have begun operating a real-time missile data sharing system, as South Korea calls for a joint response with the U.S. and Japan. Jack Barton reports from Seoul. The intercontinental ballistic missile test fired by the DPRK landed in waters just west of Hokkaido in Japan and drew immediate condemnation from South Korea and its allies. The launch follows a meeting between South Korea and US defense officials last week to update what would be a joint response to a potential nuclear attack. A meeting that drew warnings from Pyongyang that it would take what state media described as further offensive measures. Tensions between the DPRK and South Korea have spiked since Pyongyang's launch of a spy satellite last month, after which Seoul also launched its own first satellite capable of observing military movements north of the demilitarized zone. The moves led to Seoul partially and Pyongyang fully scrapping a 2018 inter-Korean agreement that was aimed at reducing tensions and the likelihood of a flashpoint along the DMZ. Following the launch of the DPRK's fifth long-range missile this year, South Korea's President Yoon Song-yeol called for a joint response with the United States and Japan by utilizing their recently established missile information sharing system. That was Jack Barton reporting. Iceland is on high alert after a volcano erupted on the Reykjanes Peninsula. The eruption is located about four kilometers northeast of Grindavik, with the sky turning orange and magma spewing along the ridge of a hill. Now, some tourists have caught a glimpse of the rare site. I'm, I'm very excited to be here in, in this uh in this place, in this in this time, and just being able to see this natural phenomenon happen, just seeing lava emerge from the ground, 
even if it's in, in a particular continent such as this, it's just fascinating to see just nature in action. I just, it's just like something from a movie. Now, this time there is a lot going on and uh, a town involved, um, which en might end up under the lava that's flowing behind us. So yeah, that's kind of mixed feelings, to be honest. So yeah, let's see how it goes and how long it lasts. It's still amazing to see, but that's kind of a bittersweet feeling at the moment. The National Police Commissioner of Iceland has raised the Civil Protection Service level from alert to emergency. The Civil Defense Coordination Center is also being activated. Authorities have asked the public not to go to the eruption site. All roads to Grindavik are closed and traffic's prohibited. Meteorologists have been monitoring a rise in seismic activity on the Reykjanes Peninsula since October. And authorities completed the evacuation of nearly 400 residents from Grindavik in November as a precautionary measure. Texas has made it a crime to enter the state illegally and given police sweeping new powers over migrant issues. Critics say the law will lead to discrimination. Well, police say it'll give law enforcement better tools to work with. Tony Waterman has more. Right now, if someone crosses into Texas illegally, state law enforcement can only charge them with trespassing. But under this new law, which will take effect in March, state and local police will have the power to arrest anyone they believe is in the state illegally, a crime that will be punishable by up to six months in jail. State judges will also be allowed to deport migrants back to Mexico, a power that right now is only reserved for federal authorities since migration law falls under federal jurisdiction. But when signing the bill into law, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said the federal government and the Biden administration in particular was failing to protect America's borders. Four years ago, the United States had uh, the fewest illegal border crossings in about 40 years. It was because of four policies put in place by the Trump administration. Now, under President Biden, he has eliminated all of those policies and has done nothing to halt illegal immigration. 2023 marked the third consecutive record-setting year for illegal migration. More than 2.4 million apprehensions in the fiscal year that ended in September. But critics of this new law say it won't solve the problem, and they fear that it will lead to racial profiling, that Hispanics and other people of color will be targeted by police, even if they are already going through the immigration process. Others worry that it could lead to children being separated from their families in legal disputes with Mexico. The law is very likely to face a number of legal challenges, and many legal scholars say that it is unconstitutional Constitutional because immigration law is only enforceable at the federal level, something that the Supreme Court has, at least up to now, repeatedly held up. That was Tony Waterman in Austin, Texas. Rescuers have brought more than 300 people to safety after record rainfall hit the far northern part of Queensland, Australia. Floodwaters have forced dozens of residents onto roofs and cut off an Aboriginal community north of Cairns. Queensland State Premier Stephen Miles says the authorities are making every effort to save those cut off by the floods. To Queenslanders in far north Queensland, we know you've had a tough night. I want you to know that every single resource available is being allocated to keeping you safe. We have 
uh, heroes on the ground who have been out all night. We deployed literally every boat we could get our hands on in Cairns to evacuate those who couldn't safely evacuate themselves. And more help is on the way. Cairns Airport is closed due to flooding. And authorities are concerned that the city will lose its drinking water. This year's Harbin Ice and Snow World features a winter sports theme as the northeastern Chinese city will host the Asian Winter Games coming up in 2025. Uh, The theme park has a record 2,000 ice and snow sculptures. Organizers have prepared some of the region's culinary delights and ice and snow performances for visitors to this year's event. Uh, Winter-themed events are an attraction in Harbin, which is known for its freezing winter temperatures. Uh, insiders say new steps taken by two Chinese megacities to relax home purchase rules will further benefit buyers and promote the stable and healthy development of the real estate market. Beijing and Shanghai have both reduced the down payment ratio for first and second time home buyers to lower the market entry threshold for these home buyers. Uh, the lower limit of the ratio for first home uh, first homes is down to 30%, and that for second homes is cut to at least 40%. The two cities have also reduced the lower limit of the mortgage interest rates to relieve the monthly payment pressure on buyers. Uh, Soon Zhuo, with the Beijing branch of China Citic Bank, says uh, the new policies will help to further release demand for home purchases and boost confidence. The clients who get the biggest benefits are the first home buyers. We believe more than 70% of our clients will receive a relatively large benefit from this policy dividend. The optimized policies also encourage more buyers to improve their living conditions. A resident in Shanghai is hoping to upgrade to a larger three-bedroom apartment. I was quite confused some time ago. After the new policy came out, I could save hundreds of thousands of yuan at once. I felt it was time to take action. Experts estimate that buyers will save around 100,000 yuan or 14,000 U.S. dollars after the adjustment. At 28 past the hour in Beijing is getting clear skies overnight. The lows down to minus 11. Wednesday will be sunny with the high of minus 6. Uh, Chongqing's 4 this evening. Tomorrow sunny and 11 degrees. Last is down to minus 5, then sunny and 7. Hong Kong's at 15 tonight. It'll be cloudy and 18 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo's plus 3 overnight. It'll be getting sunny skies and a high of 11 on Wednesday. Islamabad is overcast and 6 this evening, followed by more overcast conditions in 22. Uh, Bangkok's at 26 degrees overnight, then cloudy and 34 on Wednesday. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, China's central authorities have allocated hundreds of millions of yuan for earthquake relief in northwest China. The U.S. Defense Secretary has urged Israel to take steps to protect civilians in Gaza. And Egypt's incumbent president has won a third term in office. Shane Bigham with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. I love you. I love you. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, or a sophisticated learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Bigham with you on this Tuesday. Still to come, 
In business, China says it's on track for this year's economic targets. In sports, matchups in the Champions League last 16. In culture and entertainment, the new season of the China National Symphony Orchestra. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. First of all, check in the day's headline news. China's top economic planner says it's activated an emergency response to ensure the supply of energy, electricity and daily necessities after a 6.2 magnitude earthquake jolted Gansu province. The National Development and Reform Commission is guiding power grid enterprises to repair damaged facilities, organize emergency power supply and safeguard livelihoods. Authorities have allocated disaster relief supplies, including tents, quilts and overcoats, to the province in northwest China. The earthquake that jolted an ethnic county in Gansu province at midnight on Monday has killed more than 100 people in Gansu and Qinghai province. A senior Hamas official accused the United States of abusing its veto in UN Security Council resolutions on peace in Gaza. Agassi Hamad also holds Washington responsible. All this and more are taking place before the eyes of the whole world with the bellatant support of the U.S., U.K., and some European countries in light of inability of dysfunction of uh, dysfunction international community and United Nations institution to stop this aggression due to the uh, intergarrison and arrogance of the American administration and its surprising use of veto. The Hamas official says U.S. deliveries of weapons have resulted in many civilian deaths in Gaza. The WHO representative in Gaza says the Kamal Adwan hospital in the region is not functional anymore. Uh, Richard Peppercorn says the WHO is gathering information at the hospital where Gazan authorities say Israeli forces used a bulldozer to smash through the perimeter of a site that Israel says was used by Hamas fighters. The groups denied using Kamal Adwan as, or other hospitals for militant activities. Uh, Peppercorn says they'll pay close attention to the patients affected. Most patients... Uh, what we understand that all patients were were actually either evacuated to uh, um, Al-Akhli and to Shifa or to home where there were, for example, 12 infants of the two neonates, two neonates, we understand, where went back to their families and, and with, a, with a description how to take care of them. And um, the others went to those hospitals. We... We will check on that as well, and the mission tomorrow, you know, in Al-Akhli and, and, and in Shifa to again check where they went. Representative adds that they cannot afford to lose any hospitals, warning that the hospital issue also impacts internally displaced people. He's called for efforts to ensure that Al-Shifa Hospital is functional. It's the largest medical center in Gaza. The WHO has warned that the hospital is minimally functional and needs to urgently resume at least basic operations to continue serving those in need of life-saving health care. Incumbent Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi has been re-elected for a third six-year term in office. He recorded a landslide victory of nearly 90% of valid votes to win the 2024 presidential election. Uh, the National Election Authority says it's the highest voting percentage in Egyptian history. In a speech to the nation, al-Sisi said that choosing him for the mission of leading Egypt is a responsibility that he bears faithfully. I'm 
I'm speaking to you today while overwhelmed with happiness from the scene of you lying up in front of the polling stations during the presidential electoral entitlement, which is clear evidence for everyone who was following the process inside and outside Egypt about the identity and vitality of the Egyptian community with all its segments and emphasizes that the will of the Egyptian people is determined by every Egyptian's vote. The president says the authorities have the military and economic capabilities to preserve national security and protect the people. Over 44 million citizens at home and abroad voted in the election out of 67 million eligible voters. Abdel Fattah al-Sisi was first elected as president in 2014 and won re-election in 2018. The United States and Finland have signed a defense cooperation agreement. The deal enhances military collaborations between the two countries by obligating Helsinki to open its military bases to U.S. soldiers and allowing the two militaries to conduct joint training. It'll enable U.S. forces to pre-position defense equipment, supplies and materials in Finland and will allow the entry and movement of U.S. aircraft, vessels and vehicles. Finland officially became a NATO member back in April. The Nordic country opened negotiations with the U.S. on the Defense Cooperation Agreement in August of last year. This is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China says it's on track for this year's economic targets. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. 36 past the hour now. Turning to business and uh, the Chinese mainland markets closed higher. Uh, Chen Xuan has more. Well, Chinese Asia still can't seem to shake off the sluggish sentiment that's been around for more than a week now. The Shanghai Composite ended 0.05% higher today. Now, small cap stocks did slightly better, but today's overall market performance was mixed as investors continue to wait for clearer policy signals from the government that may stimulate the economic recovery. Chip sector shares were among the better stocks today. Well, Semiconductor added 2%, while China's biggest chip producer, SMI, also rose 2%. The hospitality sector also jumped as eased by a subsidiary of private tutoring giant New Oriental announced yesterday that its top live streamer Dong Yuhui is going to take charge of its recreation and tourism department. In response, companies including Xi'an Qujiang Cultural Tourism and Xi'an Tourism outperformed. Now, real estate stocks continued their downward trend. A sub-index tracking the sector was down more than 2% this afternoon. Poly Developments shares shed 1.5%. So did China Wanku. That was Chen Xuan in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index dropped around 7 tenths of a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei was up by around 1.4%. China's top economic regulator says the country is on track to achieve this year's major economic targets. The National Development and Reform Commission says the progress is thanks to favorable policies and the country has the capability to enhance economic operations. It says more efforts will be made to promote the growth of the private economy, maintain the stability of foreign trade and foreign investment, and boost the digital economy. It also says China's consumer price index is expected to see mild growth next year. Uh, meanwhile, the top economic regulator says it's begun the preliminary uh, or begun its preliminary study of the country's 15th five-year plan for the overall planning from 2026 to 2030.
Experts say China's commitment to the opening up policy has made a tremendous contribution to the growth of global trade. Former UN Security Council President Kishore Mashabani says China has been uh, opening its door wider and wider to the outside world. It's very important that China keeps its doors open uh, to the rest of the world. And by so doing, China is making a tremendous contribution. In the year 2000, when China proposed a free trade agreement with ASEAN, United States trade with ASEAN was $135 billion and more than three times China's trade with ASEAN, which was only $40 billion. But by last year, China's trade with ASEAN had grown from $40 billion to $975 billion. The value of foreign trade jumped from around $20 billion U.S. dollars in 1978, when China first introduced reform and opening up policies, to over $6 trillion last year. The number of its trading partners has grown from uh, a dozen back then to more than 200 now. China's attracted over $2 trillion U.S. dollars of foreign investment and has become the world's largest trader in goods and the largest holder of foreign exchange reserves. The Commerce Ministry says the number of newly established foreign enterprises in China surged over 30% to around 42,000 in the first 10 months of this year. Uh, the scale of foreign investment fell by around 9%, while the investment amount remained at a historically high level. In particular, foreign direct investment in the service industry and high-tech manufacturing accelerated. The actual use of foreign capital in high-tech manufacturing increased by 9.5%. Authorities say China will remove restrictions on foreign investment in the manufacturing industry and expand the opening of telecommunications, medical, and other service industries. Also, the country will continue to build a market-oriented, legal, and international first-class business environment. Official data shows the Closer Economic Partnership Agreement, launched in 2003 to promote free trade among the Chinese mainland Hong Kong and Macau, has made a huge impact on trade volumes. The trilateral trade volume has grown 170% under the agreement, increasing from $114 billion U.S. dollars in 2004 to $309 billion in 2022. The agreement covers trade in goods and services, investment and economic and technical cooperation. Hong Kong and Macau will remain the Chinese mainland's largest source and destination of cross-border investment. The agreement also includes a zero-tariff policy for manufacturing companies in Hong Kong and Macau. As of May this year, Hong Kong exported over $16 billion U.S. billion of zero-tariff goods to the mainland, saving more than $1.3 billion in tariffs. Macau exported $168 million in zero-tariff goods, with tax relief worth over $11 million U.S. dollars. Brazil is experiencing a spike in temporary jobs this holiday season at levels not seen in a decade. Paulo Cabral has more. It's the Christmas season, and Brazilian shops are filling up with customers preparing for the holiday. This busy time for commerce is a good opportunity for workers like Pedro Diniz to earn some extra cash with a temporary job. I'm working in restocking. I replenish products in the store shelves and pick up anything that stays on the floor. I want some money for traveling with my mother. It's a nice little money. Good to be with the family at the end of the year. According to a National Commerce Confederation survey, more than 108,000 temporary jobs are available this holiday season, the highest figure since 2013. Sales are expected to reach the equivalent of about $14 billion, 5.6% more than in 2022. 
Paris não crescia 5% há 10 anos no Brasil. Retail hasn't grown 5% in 10 years in Brazil. The trend is that retailers will have to hire more, even though e-commerce has grown a lot in the country in recent years, just as it has worldwide. Christmas is a time when retail needs workers in physical stores and delivery personnel for online shops. Lower inflation and the prospect of further reductions in interest rates are seen as fueling optimism in the retail industry and hopes in the sector are that this positive scenario will continue into next year, resulting in at least some temporary jobs becoming permanent. At this event, organized by São Paulo's state government, there are 18 companies represented, with about 900 jobs on offer. This job seeker hopes to land temporary work that could open the door to a permanent position. There are various positions, more than 900, and I came from far away because of this opportunity. I was informed that there are temporary jobs that can become permanent positions after a period of three to six months. The heating up of the job market is clear to me. We had a boost, especially thinking about the post-pandemic period. I think that in 2023, the job market is in total ascent. People are a bit apprehensive when it comes to temporary jobs, but these temporary positions may come permanent next year. The positive signs of the holiday season fueling Brazilian hopes for a better economy in 2024. That's Paulo Cabral reporting. Uh, farmers in Jingang Mountain, Jiangxi uh, Province, are turning to social media to sell agricultural products. As Huang Yichang reports, uh, they've been doing so with the help of local government-funded live streaming facilities. The Jinggang Mountains are renowned as the birthplace of China's revolutionary movement in the 1920s. Now the region has emerged as the agricultural trade center thanks to social media platforms that allow local farmers to sell directly from the fields. Now during the winter months when the temperatures drop, local farmers are selling their produce from a warmer location. The live streaming hub was founded and built by the local government. It comprises a central studio, live streaming rooms and various other facilities. Since the open last year, the space has hosted sellers from 16 towns and the villages. When it comes to Jinggang Mountain, everyone holds a great deal of admiration. The region's name is a prominent brand. We have been considering how to utilize it effectively and transform it into our most valuable resource so that we can benefit our villagers. Li Haizhen is one of the live streamers. She believes showcasing China's revolutionary history is as crucial as promoting agricultural treasures from her hometown. Many farmers in Jinggang Mountain are only skilled in farming and aren't familiar with selling. However, their agricultural products are sold at low prices while maintaining excellent quality. I thought of contributing something to my hometown. Fortunately, I came across this platform. Sales through the live streaming zone reached 7 million US dollars in the past year. The training service has supported over 3,000 rural residents. A few dozen have already become top-level sellers online. And it is evident that live streaming could also help to boost the local tourism industry. During our live streams, the displayed location is Jinggang Mountain. Others are often keen to know more about its red revolutionary stories and the places they can visit here. In response, we always recommend attractions in the area. 
Haijin says people raised on this land hold a deep reverence for its red history, while also vigorously seeking out future opportunities. And that was Huang Yichang reporting. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, we have matchups in the Champions League last 16. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. 47 past the hour now, turning to sports. Here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. Defending champion Manchester City is set to clash with Copenhagen in the Champions League last 16 as UEFA unveiled the draw for the knockout stage first round. Copenhagen, finishing above Manchester United in their group, has reached the knockout stage for the first time since 2011. City director football Chiki Bagresten says the club won't underestimate the Danish side. It is not worth to talk too much about what happened two years ago. What we, need, what we need to talk is what has happened just now. And they've been better than Manchester United and Galatasaray. Two football clubs with much more experience in the Champions League than them. So, so we have to be careful. Current Premier League leader Arsenal is set to take on Porto. In a notable pairing, Italian and Spanish champions Napoli and Barcelona will confront each other, marking their third clash in five seasons. Leipzig faces a formidable challenge against Real Madrid. Real just saw central defender David Alaba added to their extensive injury list following a cruciate ligament tear in Sunday's league match against Villarreal. He is expected to be sidelined for at least six months. German giant Bayern Munich appears to have a favorable matchup against Lazio. Dortmund will face PSV Eindhoven. Paris Saint-Germain is matched against Real Sociedad while last season's finalist Inter Milan faces a compelling battle against Atletico Madrid. Girona returned to the top of the Spanish La Liga after a 3-0 win over mid-table Alaves. The result lifted Girona two points ahead of Real Madrid at the top. The surprise title contender has lost just one game so far this season and has the most goals with 41. But coach Michel Sanchez played down the team's title ambition. There are still two matches left in the first half of the season, but the truth is that we are playing great in this first half. It is like Real Madrid, like Barcelona, teams that have won the title. But there is still a long way to go. So we need to go game by game. And yes, we need to acknowledge that these players are making history. Meantime, Olavis has gone 24 matches away from home without a win, the worst such run in the club's history. Marcelo won a crucial penalty that helped send Fluminense's veteran team to the Club World Cup final after beating Al-Ali 2-0. Marcelo's fine footwork teased the forward Percy Tao into tackle to earn the 71st-minute spot kick. Fluminense sealed victory in the 90th One substitutes John Kennedy scored with the curling left foot shot. Coach Fernando Diniz says it was a difficult win. We could have conceded goals as well. They played really well. Our goalkeeper saved us several times, but we never gave up. If you look at the history that brought us here, we had some very difficult times. We had to turn the tables in Porto Alegre, and we had to remain calm and not despair. The key term you used is resist. I think we do that to the point of stubbornness. 
and we were awarded for that ultimately. The Brazilian club will play either Manchester City or Urawa Red Diamonds in the final on Friday, trying to give South America just a second world a club world cup title in 17 years. Buenos Aires has unveiled a huge mural for Lionel Messi exactly a year after Argentina won the club World Cup trophy in Qatar. Martin Rand, artist responsible for the iconic Diego Maradona mural, worked for three weeks on the new artwork. The mural, 35 meters high, replicates a photo of Messi after he scored a pivotal goal against Mexico at the 2022 World Cup. In cycling, two-time Tour de France winner Tadej Pogacar is preparing to compete in the Giro d'Italia for the first time in his career next year. The Slovenian cyclist made the announcement together with Giro organizers, as the 25-year-old will complete his collection of Grand Tours. He also raced in the 2019 Spanish Vuelta, where he finished third. I'm now not so young anymore, and I think I can do two Grand Tours. Probably I could do already before, but I think now is the the nice time to to have a new challenge in my career. The Giro will start on May 14th in Turin, and this year's Tour de France gets underway in Florence on June 29th. Nobody has won both the Tour and the Giro in the same season since Marco Pantani in 1998. In the NBA, James Harden scored 21 of his season-best 35 points in the fourth quarter, and the LA Clippers routed the Indiana Pacers 151-127 for their league-best eighth consecutive victory. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George added 55 points, and the Clippers have won five of their last six by double digits. The Memphis Grizzlies lost again, this time to the OKC 116-77, but help is underway as Jar Morant is eligible. To return Tuesday at New Orleans, the team's star point guard was suspended for the first 25 matches this season after being caught holding up a handgun during a live stream video in May. Elsewhere, the Denver Nuggets spoiled Luka Doncic's 38-point night as they beat the short-handed Dallas Mavericks 130-104. Thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, the new season of the China National Symphony Orchestra. The world is about to change. Warriors, assassins, fair maidens, court officials, and even emperors and heavenly immortals are nothing but pawns on a giant chessboard. Xu Fengnian, a playboy of national notoriety and heir to the empire's second most powerful man, finds himself embroiled in the depths of unbeatable game. CGTN Radio invites you to immerse in a world brimming with heroism and follow a young man's odyssey in the audio drama series *The Sword Strider Saga*. Now available on radio.cgtn.com and all the major podcast platforms. When courage meets wisdom, the sword scribes an immortal legend. 54 past the hour. Turning to culture and entertainment, the China National Symphony Orchestra has announced a schedule for the new season, which will feature soloists from around the world and works by international composers. Lan Shui will conduct the opening concert on January 14th at the National Center for the Performing Arts, with the orchestra performing music by Mahler. In 2024, the or-、uh, orchestra will hold concerts to celebrate enduring legacies of legendary composers such as、uh, Bruckner, Puccini, and Strauss. 
It also plans to work with Chinese universities to perform the Yellow River Cantata, marking the 75th anniversary of its premiere. The new season will also see the premiere of a new music piece titled The Rejuvenation to mark the 75th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic of China. The world's longest cross-sea bridge is open on a trial basis for tourism. Residents of the Chinese mainland Hong Kong and Macau can apply to join group tours visiting the Hong Kong-Juhai-Macau Bridge. Uh, Tung Bua spoke with officials on the project and visitors. Registrations for the bridge tours are open to residents of the Chinese mainland who hold valid identity cards, as well as Hong Kong and Macau residents who've entered the mainland with a valid travel permit. 1,200 people will be allowed to visit the bridge every day. The duration of the bridge tour is about 140 minutes. As the bridge is in a custom supervision area, tourists must visit in groups and return to the Zhuhai Port Tourism Inspection Office on the same route and on time. The Hong Kong-Zhuhai-Macau Bridge is a 55-kilometer-long bridge and tunnel system and the longest sea-crossing bridge in the world. It connects Hong Kong and Macau with Zhuhai, a major city on the Pearl River Delta. Tourists can now apply to visit its three navigation bridges and the artificially built Blue Dolphin Island. It's been five years since the bridge was built. I've seen it from a distance in Zhuhai, but I've never been here before in person. Now I feel very excited. Customs and other authorities want to provide visitors with a memorable experience. To ensure smooth passage, we have optimized the supervision process and equipment and carried out one-pass inspection on passengers' luggage and items. And already some local travel agencies in Zhuhai say they are receiving customer inquiries about the bridge tours and they believe that the trial tour will help promote local tourism in Zhuhai and attract more school and corporate tourist groups. That was a tongue ball on the tours of the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge. Renowned Hong Kong director uh, Wong Kar-wai's first TV production will launch on December 27th. The long-anticipated TV series titled Blossoms Shanghai has 30 episodes and will stream on Tencent Video. Starring Hu Ga, Ma Yi Li, and Tang Yan, the story follows a businessman's life in Shanghai spanning 30 years. The series is based on uh, uh, Jin Yuchang's novel of the same name, which Wong says has been the perfect work to depict his birth city. Wong says the series will allow the audience to immerse in the uh, intrigues of Shanghai at an exciting time that paved the way for the prosperity of the modern city. Marvel Studios has fired actor Jonathan Majors, who starred in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Comes after a New York City jury found the Emmy-nominated actor guilty of reckless assault and harassment in his domestic violence trial. Majors played the villain, Kong the Conqueror, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Phase 4 through 6. He debuted as the character during Season 1 of Loki in 2021, then continued on in Season 2 this year, as well as uh, the Ant-Man movie that came out in February. Uh, the studio now has to swap the actor on the role, which will be the main character in the coming Marvel superhero movies. Uh, 58 past the hour. Uh, Beijing's getting clear skies overnight. The lows down to minus 11. Wednesday will be sunny with the high of minus 6. Chongqing's 4 this evening, then sunny and 11 degrees. Last is down to minus 5. 
Thursday has sunny skies in 7. Hong Kong's at 15 overnight. It'll be cloudy in 18 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo plus 3 this evening. Sunny with a high of 11 on Wednesday. Islamabad's overcast in 6 tonight. Tomorrow, the overcast skies continue. The high is 22. Bangkok's at 26 overnight, then cloudy in 34 on Wednesday. In Africa, Nairobi's getting a slight rain and 27 degrees. And finally, to Oceania, Sydney's at 19 this evening. Tomorrow has moderate rainfall with a high of 19. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, China's central authorities have allocated hundreds of millions of yuan for earthquake relief in northwest China. And Egypt's incumbent president has won a third term in office. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital. Hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.